במקמת דף ל"ב. נו משנה, זה בא בחביתו וזה בא בקורתו. נשברה קדוש של זה בקורתו של זה, פטור. שלזה רשות להלך ולזה רשות להלך. Case number one is, one person is carrying a barrel and the other person is carrying a beam and they're both walking in the public domain and they bang into each other. Both of them are walking from opposite directions and then for some reason they don't see each other and, or don't avoid each other and they bang into each other. Obviously the beam is stronger so that remains intact. That's not a problem. There's no damage to that. But the barrel breaks. Uh, the owner of the beam is not liable because both of them have a right to walk. And both of them are work, walking normally. And so there's an accident. Accidents happens, ha happen. Uh, but since nobody did anything wrong, so the owner of the barrel has to bear his own loss. Case number two. In the first case, they were walking, up, up, walking in opposite directions. In this case, the beam is in front, and the owner of the barrel is walking right behind him. Okay, so if they're walking at the same pace, then everything will be okay. But if not, since the beam is in front, if the owner of the uh, barrel is going is walking too fast and bangs into the beam, so the owner of the beam is not liable. The owner of the beam is walking normally. He's doing what he's supposed to do uh, by carrying this, and maybe he's going a little faster, a little slower. It's different. But he's going at a normal, more or less normal pace, and so the barrel, who's behind, whoever's behind has to watch where he's going and see the pace of the person in front of them. Same thing with driving, right? Even if you're going, however fast you're going, and someone behind you is going too fast and bangs into you, the person behind is always going to be the one that is liable. However, if the owner of the beam was walking in front, stop short, and the uh, owner of the barrel does not stop in time, then the owner of the beam is liable. Um, because you can't stop in the middle of a street, right? That would be true today also. You're on the highway and you just stop in the middle of the highway. Yeah, people are probably going to bang into you and you are liable in that case. Unless the owner of the beam tells the barrel, uh, stop, right? I have to stop. And he announces, calls out, right? Uh, stopping here. Then that's okay, right? That would be like today. If the guy in front put his brake lights on, put a, uh, brake lights, put hazard lights, indicated that, hold on, I'm stopping here. Okay, then the one behind has to know. And if the one behind then nevertheless keeps going and crashes and his barrel breaks, then he is not liable. All right, that's case number two. Case number three, the opposite. Hayabal Havit Rishon, Nobal Kora Aharon. Here the barrel is walking in front and the beam behind him. Nishpera Havit Bakora Hayav. So here, the owner of the uh, barrel, uh, the owner of the barrel is walking at whatever pace he is walking, and the beam is going too fast and bangs him from behind. And so, well, that's uh, that's uh, what you know, in a uh, like car pileup, he's rear-ended by going too fast. The guy behind has to see the pace of the front person in front of him, and therefore is liable. Vim amad bal chavit patur. However, if the owner of the barrel in front stops short and the guy behind him uh, it doesn't it cannot react in time then the owner of the beam behind is not liable you can't stop short if, if however the barrel who's in front announces and says I'm stopping and the guy behind nevertheless keeps going and doesn't stop then the beam who's behind is liable. Now the above was just one example of a beam and a barrel but the same thing would be true with someone carrying a lamp and other one carrying flax that is, is easily set fire to. The fire is like the beam that causes damage and the flax is like the barrel um, that receives the damage and so all the laws that we see above would be the same in that case. Okay, this is all very reasonable. Now we want to apply this to yet another case. So Rabbah Bar Natan asks Rav Huna, what if a man causes injury to a woman while they are having sexual relations? Is he liable or not?
כיוון ברשות הכבד פטור, עוד ימה היא באלה לעיוניה. On the one hand you could say, since he is acting in a permitted way, this is his wife, and so, um, and of course there's an agreement also, a consensual. Uh, the rabbis in other places in the Talmud do talk about marital rape, which is not allowed, but so we're assuming here it's with permission. Um, so since he's acting with permission, and so uh, an injury happened, uh, such a thing can happen, and therefore one is not liable. Or do we say, yes, she should be more careful. He should be paying attention. He should check. And if he sees that um, uh, she says, ow, or it's, uh, uh, something seems off, then he should stop. Okay. So Ravuna answered, oh, actually we have this halacha in the Mishnah in the very first case. When you have uh, someone with a beam and someone with a barrel and they're both walking in opposite directions and they're both walking normally and uh, they bang into each other and the beam breaks the barrel they uh, he's not liable because they both have permission to walk there since they're acting in a normal way with permission and it's an accident that happened uh didn't do it on purpose therefore he is not liable and therefore also with the woman uh he is the beam and she is like the barrel uh he's uh, uh, uh he's doing the the action and um uh, uh, it's much easier for her to get injured and therefore um since he's acting with permission and acting in a normal way he's not doing anything violent or unusual so therefore he is not liable all right that's the um that's rav huna's opinion Ravad disagrees and he says the man is liable. How do you know? He's going to learn it from a Kava Chomer from the uh, someone who kills Bishogeg. Uh, there's two people, they're in a forest, and one is chopping down a tree and his axe flies off and kills someone else. Now, in a forest where um, this person entered with permission, the other entered with permission, it's a forest, doesn't belong to anybody, both of them are allowed to be there. Nevertheless, it, once uh, person A, who with the axe, um, does something and it flies off and kills the other person, once he enters into, uh, one that person is as if he enters into the domain of his friend. Even though this is a public space, nevertheless, if you're knocking, if you're cutting down a tree, you have to be aware of your surroundings and aware that there is a someone nearby and that, that, that person, even though he's in public domain, it's like his private domain and you have to respect that person's space and not do anything dangerous near that person. And if you go and you're swinging your axe uh, and you're negligent about checking it and doing it in a careful way, then you are liable to go to Ir uh, Miklat because that the other, the victim, it's like it's his domain. So if we say that when actually they're in public, we say it's as if it's in their own domain. So in this case, this man who certainly entered into the space of the woman, her physical space, her physical body, all the more so, that's literally in her space. And um, even though he did it by mistake, um, he, uh, it's a, it's an accident. Uh, nevertheless, he has to be more careful, right? That's the ayune. He has to be uh, uh, conscientious that this uh, thing that I'm doing, I may I may cause uh, I may cause, may hurt. He has to be very careful. And since he wasn't too uh, wasn't careful enough, he is in fact is in fact liable because it's not the same as two people walking in a public domain. Um, this is actually like her domain. Okay. So now we ask about Rava, the statement that Rav Huna said from the quote from the first beginning of our Mishnah. Yeah, but how, why, why are you saying that it's as if it's like her domain? Doesn't say in the, doesn't say in the Mishnah that one guy's walking with the beam and one with the barrel. Uh, he's not liable because both have permission to walk there. And that seems to be a good analogy. Right? The husband has a, has a right. Uh, it's his, it's within his, he's, he's acting in a permitted way uh, with his wife. So uh, why should we say it's her domain? Why don't we say it's, they're both, 
as both of their domains and he's acting in a permitted way. It's just an accident and he should not pay. And the answer is, In the case of the barrel and the beam, both of them are acting. Both of them are walking. They're walking uh, just like this one's walking, the other one's walking, just happens to be in a different direction, and they um, bump into each other. Whereas here, uh, he is being active and she is relatively passive. Um, so that would be more similar to a case where um, the guy, the uh, barrel is not moving at all. He's just, I don't know where he is. He's um, somewhere where, let's say he's allowed to be. And the other guy comes and uh, walks into him. And uh, so it's not, it's not exactly the same because he is the active person. So Rava says he has to be more careful knowing that he is active and she um, is passive. And so he has to be more careful. Now we ask, is she not also uh, active in the, uh, in the, during the act of relations? In the paragraph, at the end of the paragraph of all the Adayot, it says that both parties, the man and the woman who are involved in any illicit uh, relations, both of them will get karet, the man and the woman. If you say that the woman is completely passive, then she should not get a punishment. Well, she didn't do anything wrong. Only the man should get uh, should get karet. I mean, we do actually say this regarding Esther and Nechashverosh. Uh, rabbis ask, how could she sleep with this non-Jewish king? And they say, well, karka olam. There, she was totally passive. She was. She did not want to be with him, and therefore. She was exempt. She didn't have to, you know, give her life instead of uh, of doing so. Um, but um, uh, but it, that was a unique case. In general, uh, if, to, if a man and a woman sin, even though he's the more active partner and she's she's more passive, nevertheless, she's not totally passive to the extent that she does does get punished if it's an uh, illicit relation. And the uh, Rava answers, uh, Both of them have pleasure from the act. That's why both of, both the man and the woman involved in Adayot are liable. Uh, that has to do with the pleasure that they're taking and that they want to. Um, but in terms of damage and injury, he's the one that is the more active party, and therefore he has to make sure that he's doing something, he has to be uh, attentive. Uh, even if it's by accident, he can't be negligent, he has to be attentive to what she what she's feeling or what she might feel, and he has to, he has to make sure to avoid any injury to her. And that is, in fact, the final halacha. Rambam Anshulchan Aruch says that if a husband causes his wife uh, injury during intercourse, he is actually liable to pay for it even if it was um, not on purpose. The next part of the Mishnah says, Haya Baal Rishon, right, when they're walking in the same direction, one after the other. We're going to relate this halacha regarding the beam and the barrel to the next halacha regarding two cows. If you have two cows that are walking in the uh, public domain, which is allowed, they're both allowed to be in the public domain, and one, however, is crouching. Now, you're not allowed to crouch in the middle of the public domain. It would be like, you know, sitting down or lying down uh, in the middle of uh, Grand Central Station. You're causing an impediment. It would be like stopping in the middle of a highway. Um, so, one is crouching, and one is walking normally. If the one that, the walker, kicks the croucher, he, the walker is not liable uh, because the croucher did something wrong first and put them put itself in danger. And even though the walker is actually not allowed to kick, um, nevertheless, since the croucher did something wrong first, even though the walker did something wrong also by kicking, uh, nevertheless, it is not liable. Uh, you shouldn't have been crouching there in the first place. Switch it around. If the croucher kicked the walker, the croucher is liable because the walker is walking normally. It's not doing anything wrong and someone comes along and kicks it. Now, and it doesn't actually matter if it's crouching or not. That just happens to be if it's walking and it kicks another animal that's walking also, it is liable. Okay, so we know this law of Aresh Lakish. Let's see how it, how it relates to our Mishnah. Let's 
Mekatani Chayab. It seems that the second clause of our Mishnah is a support for Resh Lakish. Resh Lakish is only in Amora. Can we bring him support from the Mishnah? The Mishnah said that if a beam is going in front and a barrel behind and the barrel is walking too fast and he breaks his barrel on the beam, the owner of the beam is not liable because the guy in the back should have watched where he's going unless the beam stops short in which case he is liable because he does something wrong by stopping short. So the owner of the beam who stops short is similar to the croucher who kicks. Both of them are doing something wrong. And just like the beam that stops short without informing the guy behind him is liable, so too the croucher who kicks um, is uh, liable, and uh, right, and that's what the Mishnah says, liable. So you see that this is a proof for Resh Lakish. But then another voice responds, is Is that what, really what you think? You want to support this? You bring this as support? Not only does the Mishnah not support Resh Lakish, it actually is a challenge to Resh Lakish. How so? The only reason that the croucher is liable is because the croucher also kicked the walker. But let's say it didn't kick. It was just crouching and being there, and the walker trips over the croucher. That happens just by itself, without the croucher doing anything. Then the owner of the crouching animal is not liable, right? We say even though the animal's crouching and is doing something wrong, nevertheless, the walker should have watched where it was going. And yet in the Mishnah, if it happens just in the Mishnah's case, is also what happens just like that. The guy hold, carrying the beam doesn't smash himself into the uh, jar, he just stopped short. And then the jar by itself, right, well, uh, happened. So now it's true, he shouldn't, he should not have stopped short. Um, he did something wrong. But that's the same if the croucher also did something wrong. Both the crouching animal and the beam that stopped short are not moving. Um, even though they're not supposed to be not moving because you shouldn't be crouching in the middle of the street and you shouldn't stop short in the middle of the street. Nevertheless, both of them are just not moving and the crash happens because of the movement of the one, the, the, the other party that gets damaged, the movement of the barrel or the movement of the walker. And so, um, in the case of the uh, Adesh Lakish's case, um, if it happened by itself like that, then the owner of the croucher would not be liable. But in the Mishnah, when it happens just like that, without the uh, beam moving, but the, the, the barrel and back crashing into it, it says liable. So actually, this is a um, proof against Adesh Lakish. Uh, so we have to answer this and we explain. Matnitin difsaka leorha keshilda. Hacha kegon de rabah bechad gisa ibaile de saguye be idah gisa. The Mishnah, we're making a big ukimta, uh, we're assuming is talking about where the beam was went sideways and is, is, is blocking the entire width of the road, um, like a carcass that's sprawled across and there is nowhere else to go. There's no possibility for the owner of the barrel to pass it. Uh, to go around it. Um, however, in the case of the crouching animal, we're assuming it's crouching just on one side very nicely, and the uh, the other cow could have walked around it, and that's why the owner of the cow is not liable. The of the of the walking one is not liable because it should have seen where what was going on and walked around it. It didn't have to try to step over it and get and, and stumble. Um, but the one with the beam uh, is liable because he stopped short and uh, blocked the entire road. Uh, interestingly, the Rif does not quote this uh, limitation on the Mishnah. Uh, it seems that although this is we're saying this in answer to a question, it's not a the only necessary absolute. Uh, 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 explanation of the Mishnah, right? The Peshat of the Mishnah is not so. Now, Okay, fine. The, that case cannot act as a proof for Rosh Lakish, but the last, the third case in the Mishnah, Maybe that one we can use as a proof. Dekatane haya bal chavit rishon ubal korah acharon nishbera chavit bakorah chayav 
ואם עמד בעל החבית פטור, ואחד כדקים הלכת בלבוס האדמה וקטני פטור. So the third case is where the barrel is first and the beam is behind him, and then if the beam is walking too fast and uh, breaks the barrel in front of him, then he's liable. However, if the barrel stops short, um, without telling the guy behind him, uh, then the owner of the beam is not liable because he's just walking normally and it's the, it's the barrel should not have stopped short. So we can compare that to this case because the beam owner, who is not liable here because it's the barrel that did something wrong by stopping short, that's the beam owner is the same as the walker. Uh, walking cow who also is walking normally and it encounters a crouching animal should not have been crouching. The crouching animal did something wrong and did it wrong first and therefore the walker is similarly not liable. So that seems to be a good proof for Resh Lakish but we reject this proof also. The cases are different. In the Mishnah the owner of the beam is walking normally, right? He's walking normally. He shouldn't have to expect that someone is going to stop short in front of him, and therefore he's not liable. In the case of the cows, the owner of the crouching cow can tell the owner, owner of the walking cow, right? Even though you have permission to step on my cow and walking normally, if your cow was walking normally and caused some damage by stepping over, stepping, uh, had to step on the cow, then fine, I would totally agree. But why, who gave you permission to kick my cow, right? And so in the Reshakish is saying, even if the walking cow kicks the crouching cow, it's still the walker is not liable because the uh, crouching uh, cow did something wrong first. That's a much bigger chidush than the Mishnah where the owner of the beam was walking completely normally, normal and did not do anything wrong and therefore there is no proof uh, from this. It's not a disproof, it's just that Reshakish is giving a much bigger chidush than the Mishnah was. Next Mishnah, Shenaim Shayu Mahalachin Bershut Harabim Hadras Vachat Mehalech, Osheyu Shenehem Rasin, Veziku Zed, Zeshenehem Peturim. We have three cases. If either two people are walking, they're walking normally in the public domain, they're allowed to be walking there, and sometimes it happens. There's a lot of people walking, and one bangs into the other and causes him damage. Or if one is running and one is walking, or if both of them are running, and in any of these cases, if one causes damage to the other, both of them are exempt because you have permission to run and walk. Walking, of course, is normal, even running. People are in a rush, they're running, and so um, they're doing a normal activity and uh, they did not mean to bang into the other person and therefore they're all uh, not liable. Uh, so the Mishnah obviously is not, uh, the author is not Isi ben Yehuda because in the Benaita Isi ben Yehuda says uh, the running person is going to be liable. Anytime you have someone running and the other person is walking, uh, the runner is liable because he's doing something unusual. People normally walk. That's just that's what you're supposed to be. If you're running, that's a little out of control. Harder to avoid a person running, and therefore he's he's acting unusual. So he's liable if he causes injury to someone walking. Unless it's a time and place where it's normal to run. Uh, so he agrees that, for example, on Erev Shabbat, um, during Ben Hashemashot, it's okay because everybody's running to prepare for Shabbat. And so since everyone is running, and that's normal activity, so then that's, uh, that's fine uh, because it's only, it's only when it's unusual activity. Um, but uh, let's say you're on a running track and everybody's running and one uh, bangs into another, uh, then, or, or, you know, uh, uh, or someone happens to be walking on the, on the track, then they would not be liable. So Rabbi Yochanan says, I follow halacha like Isi ben Yehuda that a runner is liable, even though he's a minority opinion. But now we ask, How could he have said this? He also said, uh, um, I'm not sure if he said this about this Mishnah specifically or a rule in general, because Rabbi Yochanan does have a rule in general also that halacha is like the anonymous Mishnah. 
which is that this Mishnah says that the runner is not liable. Mishnah says whether one is walking, running and one is walking, or both are running, they are not liable. So how are we going to answer that? Oh, the Biochanan in fact agrees with Isi Ben Yehuda, and we have to interpret. This whole Mishnah is only talking about Friday afternoon, Ben between those, those a few minutes between sunset and when it gets dark, that's the only the case, that's the only case that this Mishnah was talking about. In all other cases, the Mishnah does not apply. Now, this is a big okimta. How are you fitting this into the words of the Mishnah? Mimai, how do you know that? And the answer is as follows. Look at the Mishnah carefully. Uh, when the Mishnah says, or if both of them are running, and uh, one one causes damage to the other, he is not liable. Why do I need this clause? If when one is running and one is walking, the runner is not liable, all the more so when both are running and both are acting in an unusual way, for sure, they, whoever causes damage is not liable. So you can't read the Mishnah as is because there would be no reason to add that clause. Rather, there must be another layer to the Mishnah. Really, in fact, it said if one is running and one is walking, um, he is not liable. That's what the Mishnah said. But now we're adding. That's only true if it's right before Shabbat or right during Ben Hashemashot, right uh, while, while Shabbat is starting. But if it's a regular weekday when people are normally walking and one is running and one is walking, then the runner who causes injury is liable. Although uh, anytime, even during a weekday, if both of them are running, well, then both are acting equally unusually, then they are not liable. So you see, that's why we need the last clause is in, in, when, by adding this the last clause is no longer obvious because in fact according to this we're talking about a distinction between Erev Shabbat and Hol on Hol a walker and runner is liable and so that's why you need a Chidush uh, to tell me that oh don't confuse and, uh, uh, and think that two runners are also like that no only if one is running and one is walking then the runner is liable if both are running so they cancel each other out and they are not liable. So, in fact, we can explain the Mishnah um, according to E.C. Ben, uh, uh, even according to E.C. Ben Yehuda. So, Rabbi Yochanan at least thinks that the Mishnah can be uh, in, uh, reconcilable with E.C. Ben Yehuda. Okay, now they mentioned this running. We have to analyze that. Amar Mor, Mote E.C. Be'erev Shabbat, Ben Hashem HaShot, Shehu Patum Yipneh Sheratz Bershut. Be'erev Shabbat, Mai Bershut Ika. So, E.C. Ben Yehuda, even though he says that a runner generally would be liable because unusual he agrees that out of Shabbat during Ben Hashemashot he doesn't because he's running with permission. So what is this permission? Where is he running on Erev, on, uh, uh, on, on Erev Shabbat after sunset? Well, I understand in the middle of the day, um, uh, people are very busy preparing for Shabbat. You got to run to get the fish. You got to run to get the uh, meat. You have to run to get the challah. There's a lot to do. Everybody's running and double parking and, uh, um, and acting crazy. And that's like normal. That's a Friday afternoon traffic. Everybody's running around. So that would make sense that that's a time of running. But after sunset, uh, nobody's running anymore. That's it. You can't buy anything. That's all. Everything's prepared. And the answer is, and so Rabbi Hanina says that they he, they would go uh, on Shabbat He would say, "Let's go and greet the bride, the queen, or it's another version to greet Shabbat, which is the bride and the queen, just like a, a groom loves his bride and is so excited to go and see her and greet her and." and marry her and bring her into his home um, and treat her like a queen. So too, we're so excited that Shabbat comes. And so he would go and they would run. When you're excited, you don't want to wait. You want to go and run. And so they would run to go out and greet Shabbat. 
Rabbi Yanai similarly would uh, put a talit on, and he would say, um, "Come, come, come in, bride! Right, come and uh, welcome the bride." And this is the source for the later poem of Lecha Dodi Likrat Kala. And so you see, this is why they were running. It's not that they were not running to prepare for Shabbat, but rather running to welcome Shabbat. Next Mishnah: Hamevakeya Bershut Harabim Vizik Bershut Hayachid. Beshut Hayachid Vizik Beshut Harabim. Beshut Hayachid Vizik Beshut Hayachid. Beshut Hayachid Acher Hayav. Someone is chopping wood and he decides to do it in the public domain, which is not proper because uh, the public domain is good for walking and things, but you shouldn't be doing something dangerous like that in the public domain. But anyway, the damage does not happen into the public in the public domain, but rather a chip of wood uh, flies out, uh, flies off into private domain and causes damage there. That's case one. Or case two is, I'm chopping wood in private domain, which is fine. I'm allowed to do that in private domain, but I'm not careful enough. And it flies out into a public domain. I mean, even if I'm private domain, I have to make sure that it's enclosed far enough from the street. So it flies off into the street and causes damage there. Or if I'm in a private domain and it flies out into someone else's private domain and causes damage there. In all these cases, I am liable, even though this is not purposeful, but it is still negligent. If I'm chopping wood, I have to make sure that everything uh, everything in around me is also safe. Now, Usiricha, why do I need all three cases? If the Mishnah only told me that when I go, when I'm in private domain and it flies out into public domain, I would think that there I am liable because there's a lot of people out in public domain. I have to make sure that I'm far away from the public domain. Um, uh, uh, however, if I had only that, um, I might think that if I'm in public domain and it flies out into private domain where there's not many people there. Uh, so as long as, you know, I'm, I'm chopping, let's say, in a certain direction. And so if uh, the things that would fly out would fly out into a private domain where there's not a lot of people, I might have thought that I'm not liable in such a case. And uh, therefore, I need the I need that clause. Now, notice there's something wrong with the order. Um, the order in the Mishnah is it treats Reshut uh, from public to private first. But here it starts off with from private to public. Uh, which is out of, out of order in the Mishnah. In fact, there's an easy way, easy way to solve this, which is if we look at the manuscripts of the Mishnah, this is the manuscript of the Mishnah in the Cambridge University Library that's um, about a thousand years old. And you can see here that it says, right? It starts with private to public. Uh, similarly, in all manuscripts of the Talmud Bavli, that's just now, that was a manuscript of Mishnah only. But in all those of Talmud Bavli, only the printed editions say the Shutarabim first, starting with Sansino. That, that's the Sansino press made the mistake. Um, and uh, Venice copied it and printed editions after that copied it. But you can see here that all manuscripts, including Escorial B'Shut HaYachid first, um, have Yachid to Rabim. So you see that the uh, something got messed up in the printed edition of the Bavli section on, of the Mishnah. But in fact, the if you could you could find this mistake on your own, even without looking at any manuscript, by looking at the order of the Gemara, the Gemara obviously had the uh, correct order as it is preserved in manuscripts. All right. Anyway, that's why we need that clause. If it only said gave me the case of uh, that I'm in in public and it flies off into private, I might think there I'm liable because the place that I'm doing the chopping in public is prohibited. I'm not allowed to use the public domain, so I'm already making a sin by doing that. That's why I'm liable. But if I'm, I started off and I'm chopping in the private domain where I'm allowed to, and then it flies off into the public domain, I might think that since I'm in a place where I'm allowed to do that activity, that I'm patur when it flies off into public. So that's why I need that clause to tell me that there also I am liable. If I only had these two clauses, public to private and private to public, or rather I should say, 
private to public and public to private. I might think each of these has a negative that causes me to be liable. One is that there's a lot of people in the area that things are flying, t- towards which things are flying. And the other, because I'm, I'm chopping in a place that I don't have uh, uh, permission to chop in. But I might have thought that if I'm in one private domain and things are flying off into another private domain uh, where I have, uh, there people are not there, uh, not, a lot of, not a lot of people there in the destination. And the place I'm chopping, um, I have permission because it's, it's my private domain. I might have thought that I'm not liable. And that's why I need the third clause of the Mishnah to teach me that in all three cases I am liable. Next we analyze this Baraita, it's also found in the Tosefta, Tenora Banan. Haniknas lechanutoshel nagar shelob reshut, veniteza beka'at vetafha al panav, umet patur, vimniknas bershut chayav. Let's say I'm a carpenter and you walk into my carpentry shop without permission and then I'm while I'm doing work, a shard of wood flies out in your face and kills you. I am not liable uh, because you came into the shop without permission. Who asked you to come in, 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 in without permission into my private property? However, if you knock on the door and I say, come in, and you come in and then um, something flies out and hits you in the face and kills you, I am liable. That's the Baraita. We're going to see a couple of different interpretations of this. My Hayav, what exactly am I liable for? I have to pay for your injury. And this is person-to-person injury, even though I didn't uh, physically touch you or punch you. Uh, nevertheless, this is something that flew out because of my um, force. And therefore, I have to pay not only for your uh, damage, but also for pain, medical costs, loss of livelihood. I don't have to pay boshet, because boshet is only if I intend to harm you. Here, I didn't intend to, but I was very negligent because I told you to come in, and I continued working and uh, causing, causing things to fly out. So I have to pay you for that. However, I don't go into exile for killing bishogeg. Why not? Because it's not the same as the prototypical case which the Torah talks about. When Torah talks about uh, Shogeg, it says when someone goes into the forest with his neighbor to chop wood. So it says the forest. Now what's particular about a forest? Where um, this person enters with permission and that enters with permission. It's neutral grounds. And uh, therefore, um, we said we said before that one um, when uh, when we both enter enter neutral ground. So I when I'm acting, I have to make sure that there's uh, nobody else around and be careful. And therefore, if I'm negligent, I have to go to Irmiklat. Whereas in this case, you are coming into my store, and my in my store, I don't have to be so careful. This is my domain, and you came in here, and so therefore, I am less liable in my own domain, and I don't have to go to Irmiklat. Uh, okay, that seems to be the that's the first explanation. However, Rava rejects it. Amar Rava, Kava Chomer, Rava says the opposite. Umay ya arzel daato nichnas arzel daato nichnas naasa. If in a forest where we both enter with permission, and yet there we say, you know what? Because you're also, I know that you're there. Um, so it's as if it's your uh, area, it's your domain, and so I have to make it as if it's your domain, and I have to like recognize that you're there also, and I have to be careful. If I have to be careful, where it's not my domain, it's in the middle of the forest, and yet. I have to be careful for you. All the more so when I gave you permission. See, the giving permission is, makes all the difference. It's not that just you walk into my shop without permission. Then, in that case, we said, yeah, patur, um, uh, from everything. Uh, but if you come in with permission, well, coming into my house, into my carpentry with permission means I am totally responsible. So I should be even more liable if I'm liable in a forest where... Um, it's uh, where you just happen to be there and I happen to be there and I have to acknowledge that you're there and, and make sure then all the more so if I actually give you permission to go explicit to come in explicitly all the more so I would be even more liable. 
So Rav says, that can't be the reason that it's not exactly the same as the forest, because if anything, that would make me look more liable. When Rav says, why come I don't have to go into exile? Because exile is not good enough for me. Going into Ir Miklat is a way, means of atonement. But I, that's, but that's only if it's negligent. Here, this is gross negligence. I come, you come in, I tell you you can come in, and then I kill you. Not, and I don't stop working. I'm not careful and kill you. Uh, then that's uh, I don't deserve the atonement offered by Eid Miklat. And this is also the opinion of Rabbi Yosef Bar Hanina uh, that uh, one is not. Um, it does not go into exile because it is shogeg. It's shogeg, but it's gross negligence. It's almost mezid. Okay, now regarding this law that Rava says, and um, it follows the opinion also of Rabbi Yosef Bar Hanina, Rava himself is going to question it from a couple of sources. Now, in this case, let's say I am an executioner, or a flogger, rather. And so you're a criminal, and I'm flogging you, and I can give up to 39, but I, we determined based on the doctors that you can take 30. Okay, so the doctor says I should give 30, and then I decide, uh, you know, I think you can handle another one. Uh, let's try it. And I give you 31, and you die. Uh, so um, they, I have to go into exile. Now, now, in this case, this is surely uh, gross negligence, almost mezid, because I have to know, I have to keep in mind uh, that a person can come to death by one extra. I can't just risk it and go against the doctors, what the doctor said, and just give an extra one. That's, I mean, even if it's not exactly on purpose, I didn't mean to kill you, still, this is very gross negligence, and yet, you go into Galut. So this um, contradicts the ruling of the Yosef Bar Hanina that Shogeg Karov uh, Lemezid is too lo- too responsible and doesn't deserve uh, to go to Galut, doesn't deserve the atonement. But this, according to this, I do. That's Rava's question. Rav Shimi says, no, I, it really is a mistake. It's not like I thought, well, maybe you can survive another one, but rather I just miscounted. Um, while I was counting, I, I, I missed a number, and now um, I went to 30. I did an extra one that I just didn't count while I was making the doing the counting. And so I thought it was 30, but in fact it was 31. But it's a, it's a complete mistake. Um, that's why um, that, that's why I deserve, this is really shogeg, and that's why this guy goes into galut. Now, that was Rav Shimi's answer to Rava, but Tefach le Rava, Rava didn't like it, and he took off his sandal, and he hit uh, uh, Rav Shimi. Uh, okay, um, so I guess he really didn't like this answer. Um, is the flogger the one who counts? He's not. Because the Braita describes the procedure of flogging, that the 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 greatest of the judges recite makes a read some pesukim regarding the curses in the Torah, and the second one will uh, count, and the third one will say hit, and then the flogger after that procedure hits, you know, each time, and then he'll count two, and then he'll hit. So um, the flogger doesn't deserve to anything, right? He's just paying attention. He's just um, doing whatever the uh, the judge says. Uh, the judge also is not going to get any punishment because he didn't actually do any hitting. You can't you can't go into exile just for counting wrong. Um, so in this case, therefore, uh, this doesn't make sense, uh, Rav Shimi, that he made a mistake because the flogger making a mistake. My flogger is not the one that counts. Rather, Rav Shimi, we're going to uh, just add add a word to his answer um, that it's the uh, the judge that in fact made the mistake in counting. Now, nevertheless, the judge is not going to go into exile because. He didn't hit, but the flogger should have kept his own count and uh, been been paying more attention. Not that it's his primary responsibility; he's just there to do a good flogging. Uh, but nevertheless, he it's a bit negligent to just you know not pay attention to how many 
how many you're doing, you're after all, you know, basically uh, doing the action. So you're response, somewhat responsible. And so you should have kept count yourself and recognize the mistake. And that's why. Um, so it's not talking about a case where it's of gross negligence, where he decides, you know what, I think he could handle another one. But rather, it's just he wasn't keeping up the count that the, the, and checking on the judge's count. All right, so that's a good answer. But now another challenge. Here we have a Mishnah that says, if I throw a stone into the middle of the street and kill someone, I go into Galut. Well, why should I go, go, why should I go into Galut? Isn't this Shogeg Karov Lemezid? And so this, uh, once again, goes against the statement of Rabbi Yosef Bar Hanina that um, I don't deserve the atonement of it, right? So why is this Karov Lemezid? Because I should have had in mind that there's a lot of people in the street, and if I just throw a stone into the street, and it's likely to kill someone, so um, yet the, the law is here that it is Goleh. Uh, so why am I Goleh here um, if it's, uh, um, um, it's gross negligence? We're talking about a case where I'm demolishing my wall. Um, and the wall is uh, uh, borders on the, on the public domain, and so it's falling. It's not that I just randomly am throwing stones into the middle of the street, but I'm actually doing something productive. Okay, still, that doesn't help. I, I should have to check and pay attention uh, where, uh, uh, the, where the stones are going, even if I'm doing it for a productive purpose. Um, that I still have to make sure that the stones are not going into a dangerous place. The answer is besotet by Laila. I'm demolishing at night where there's not so many people on the street. Okay, by Laila Name, by even at night, uh, there's some people on the street, and I have to make sure that, um, right, look carefully and make sure there's nobody there when I knock down the wall. And the answer is besotet et kotlo by Yom Lashpa. Okay, I'll go back during, during the day. But I'm actually I'm throwing the stones into a garbage dump, and there's not usually people there at the garbage dump, and so even though it's in the public domain, it's in an area where there's not a lot of people. We ask, what exactly? What kind of garbage dump is this? If it's a garbage dump where there's a lot of people there, a lot of people go. They throw out their garbage, or they might relieve themselves. That was the bathroom uh, while they're walking in the street, and there's a uh, there's a dump there. So people, if people are there a lot then that's purposeful, or at least gross negligence close to purposeful. And if there's not people there ever, because it's just a garbage dump, then it's out of, beyond my control. I'm perfectly, it's within, within my right to take some stones and throw them onto a garbage heap where nobody is. If someone happened to be there, like, I don't know why he's there, not my problem. Uh, so uh, it, can't be, it can't be either of those extreme cases. Papa says, okay, the cases of a garbage heap that people use at night, um, it's, it's, in the, it's, it's in or near the public domain, and so people go there at night because it's dark, and so when they have to relieve themselves, they go there at night. But during the day, since it's in the public domain, and the daytime, it's not private. So they're not, they don't usually go there in the day. However, even in the day, sometimes you got to go, you got to go, and some people will go there even during the day. So this is not considered purposeful because most people don't go there during the day. It's also not totally beyond my control because there are some people that go there once in a while. So that's, uh, that's the sweet spot right in the middle of, uh, of somewhat negligent but not gross negligence. And that's why in this case, um, if I throw my stones there, I am liable and I had to go into exile. Now that whole discussion was only one version of how we interpret Rabbi Yosef Bar Hanina, uh, that it applies to the Sefa. However, there's another version that uh, Papa here applies it to the Resha of that Tosefta, as follows: Haniknas lechanuto shel nagar shelo brishut venitezalo bekaat vetavchalo apanav umet patur. So the resha was when you come into my uh, carpentry shop 
without permission and I'm working and something flies out and I kill you, I am not liable. So in the version before, we assumed that meant not liable to anything at all. But here, now the limitation is on this. When it says patur, that's only that I don't have to go into galut, but I actually do have to pay uh, the four things even in the resha. Even though you came in without permission, but I have to make sure that I have safe uh, environment because people come in sometimes and so I'm liable for that, although I don't have to go into galut because uh, it's uh, you know really a total mistake. Uh, I didn't give you permission to come in. Now, uh, this version, let's add, compare it to the previous one. According to the one who applies it to the sefa, that I don't have to go into galut, even when you come in with permission, all the more so I don't have to go to galut, go into galut when you come with when you come in without permission. I am totally uh, anus or almost anus. Uh, but in this second version here that says I'm only not I don't have to go to galut only when you come in without permission um, because it's not my problem. But if I give you permission to come in. Well then, that's negligent. I'm still working, and I told, told you you can come in. That is negligent, and I would be liable to galut in that case. Uh, so now we ask about that. Umi chayav galut. Would I be liable in that in that case where I gave you permission to enter? We have another b'raita, another version of that same b'raita above, but with a slightly, uh, slightly different one. This one says explicitly that if you come into my shop and a spark flies out and hits you in the face and you die, I am not liable, even if you come in with permission, not liable. So uh, this is uh, this is okay according to the first version that said not liable to Galut in any case, but a second version, as we just established, says that if I give you permission, I should be liable, but this Baraita says not liable. So we explain, Oh, this Baraita here is only talking about um, my uh, apprentice, right? My apprentice came in uh, with permission. It's true he has permission, um, but he has to watch out because he's an apprentice. You know, he knows the dangers. And so I am not, I'm not liable. I don't go to, uh, to um, uh, Irmiklat. And we ask about that. Okay, even my apprentice, he stands to be killed. I mean, he came to learn how to do it. He didn't come to be killed, right? I know if I, he has permission, I know he's around. Does, doesn't I have to be careful? And that means I'm negligent and I should go to exile? And the answer is, It's when I, I'm the master here, uh, told him to leave. I said, listen, I'm doing something dangerous. Get out. And he didn't leave. So that's why it's not my problem. Okay. Okay, that's not a good enough reason. Just because he refuses to leave, I can kill him? Not that I'm killing him on purpose, but I can be negligent and just start working even though I, he didn't leave? And the answer is, I said leave, and I thought, I figured that he left. So that's why I kept working. Well, if so, if I told him to leave, well, then now he already doesn't have permission. If I told him to leave and I thought he left, right, then it doesn't have to be an apprentice. It could be anybody. What's the difference between an apprentice and anybody else? And the answer is, Other people uh, don't have uh, awe of a mentor, whereas the apprentice does have awe of his mentor. So therefore, if I tell my apprentice, leave, I know he's scared of me, otherwise I'll fire him. And so he's scared, and I can assume that he would leave. Now he didn't leave, so that is not. Uh, it's not on purpose. Um, that uh, that's uh, in that case. Um, that's where it says patur here, right? Because um, I told him to leave, and I thought he did leave. And he, since he's my apprentice, he is is uh, fearful, and I assume that he would therefore. <clears throat> follow my instructions and so there in that case i'm to i'm patur because um it's totally anus however it's a, if it's a regular person that comes in and i tell them to leave and <clears throat> i can't just assume that they leave because maybe they say well i don't know i feel like sticking around this looks interesting i have to really make sure that they actually left and if i don't make sure that they actually left then i'm negligent and therefore have to go into exile Baruch Adonai Leolam. amen ve'amen